Hello and welcome to We Welcome Your Teams, a podcast about one of the most unique jobs in sport, football stadium announcers. He said, although Billy was proposing to the love of his life through his jewellery, Billy's wife has been on to me this morning and isn't very happy. I'm dying to be immortalised in FIFA. He was like, read his name out then as if he's coming on as a substitute. Oh yeah, it is you. <laughs> so I've gone absolutely massive for this announcement. And then to see it get chalked off by VAR. And the police said, stop this now. The roof of the North Bank was swaying. He said, it's not just getting beat but they played captain bloody pug wash as well <laughs> yes this is the podcast about those people who are the voice you hear on the stadium pa at football grounds up and down the country i'm rich hurst i'm the announcer at west bromwich albion i've been chatting to my counterparts up and down the leagues about why we love the job we get to do every single match day It's a privileged position. It's full of insight into what goes on behind the scenes at your favourite club. And you know what? The more I delve, the more I meet similar people who live for that buzz when we introduce the teams just before kickoff. And in this special off-season episode, we're catching up with a couple of announcers who've had some very crazy experiences at the end of the last campaign. And a warm uh, mid-June welcome to the podcast. We welcome your teams. Uh, Today, we're speaking with a couple of guys who I think have just about caught their breath following a very interesting end of the season. And why did we get them back on to speak about that, considering they've been on the podcast before? Well, in some cases, your announcer rulebook just goes right out the window when you get extraordinary ends to the season, just like these guys had. Joining me as always is my co-host, the voice of Old Trafford and Manchester United, Alan Keegan. Later on, we're talking to the voice of Goodison Park, Graham White. But our first guest, someone who had an incredible final day at the Memorial Ground at Bristol Rovers, it's Lance Cook. How are you, sir? How you doing, lads? You all good? Good to, good to hear you, mate. Yeah. Still smiling, still smiling. Yeah, I, I still can't believe it's like it's been over a month now and I'm still like living it every day. Like just the greatest day ever. Just incredible. Now, look, before we go into the, the details of that day, just for anyone who missed the main headline story, just tell us what happened on your watch on, on this game at Bristol Rovers. So um, if we're going to do the sort of full like blow by blow account, um, we had an insane run in um, going into the final day of the season. Um, it's been the proverbial season of two halves, if you will. Second half of the season has been amazing, just building momentum week after week after week. Um, we beat Salford and we drew with uh, Forest Green Rovers over Easter weekend. Uh, we had a dramatic 4-3 win against Rochdale and just before that another dramatic 3-1 win against uh, Port Vale away on the road and it just all sort of led down to this final day of the season where it was us in Northampton competing for this final automatic uh, promotion spot but it wasn't easy Um, Northampton had five goals ahead of us so we were needing a five goal swing on the final day of the season and you know what like I was pretty chill about it, to be honest with you. I met my best mate over at um, Cardiff train station um, as we were sort of like getting the train down in the morning. And we were sort of on, on the way down there, you know, every sort of permutation, you know, nitpicked, you know, what, what happens if this happens? What, you know, this, that and the other. And I was just like, you know what? We're going to be in the playoffs no matter what. It was the exactly the same feeling I had a few years prior uh, when we went up on the final day. I think it was six years to the very day. Um, so there was a little bit of an omen in that. So, yeah, we're relying on a five-goal swing. It's not easy. But, you know, as it's football. Miracles happen, <sighs> right? And well, and it did, and it did. So I, just, I, I instantly, I thought, you know, I just wanted to hear. I mean, you know, we're going to spend a bit of this episode getting highs and lows from the season anyway, before we even touch on those extraordinary last day scenes. But what were you, what were you thinking about on that train on the way down? What were you thinking about, sort of, announcements wise? Were you, were you 
thinking about music? Were you thinking about phrases? Were you thinking about what to do if and when? I had um, I had the playlist sort of boxed off um, as soon as the Rochdale result was in uh, mm. the Saturday prior. So that was done by the following Monday, and there was very very little change. Every sort of like minute detail, because as as you lads know, um, when we've spoken before, I do take like you know sort of great detail and consideration into the playlist probably just as much as is the notes in what you say i absolutely love it so i just knew this was going to be the most important playlist um i ever made um so we made uh we made sure that was all done boxed off in terms of what to say on the day i hadn't really thought about it too much because again i didn't want to sort of build my hopes up i knew it was just going to be a you know this team had done the impossible many times to go from like sort of we were three one down I believe against Rochdale and turned it around to four three the week prior so like I knew this team was you know capable of doing you know the impossible but I just felt like you know what I need to lower my expectations because I didn't want to be too disappointed so I kind of didn't think about what I was going to say if I'm honest I didn't okay well look before before we we'll get into that that last last game. Uh, in a bit, but but as an announcer, from I mean, you just describe what sort of season you had there. But from your point of view, give us a couple of your your highs and lows from the season. Um, well, it didn't start off great at all, if I'm honest. Um, like I said, it was the proverbial season of two halves. The the first half of the season, um, we, you know, we just didn't come out the blocks at all. But there was a lot, there was a lot going on. It was effectively a brand new squad. You know, we got relegated the season prior from, you know, from League One. And there was a lot of change at the top. Um, Joey was bringing his own players in, own staff and whatever. And it just took, it took a little bit of a long time to gel. We had some bad results at the start of the season. We got thumped 4-0 away uh, to Exeter. And um, it's funny, like, well, that the result wasn't funny, but it's funny now looking back at it. The post-match press conference, Jerry Barton was out there saying, I believe we're going to get promoted. Like, which, you know, people thought, you know, it was just a mad thing to say. And, you know, as as weeks went on into the season, obviously it was becoming a little bit more realistic. But um, there was one result in particular in the sort of like, I'd say that the, the two sort of main like low points of the season probably came on the very same day, which was just like, it wasn't a fun day to be. Uh, to be me. It probably wasn't a fun day to be, you know, around the Rovers at the time. It was late in Orient at home, uh, mid-September. And, um, you know, a really, really hot day. You know, we were just like looking for a result, you know, just to get this season kick-started. But, you know, we go into halftime at 3-0 down and we're just like, oh, it's going to be another thump in here. And uh, the, the atmosphere at the halftime whistle was just like hostile. Like just really, really hostile, and you know, you. I'm sure you you've both experienced that where you're like, "Oh, great! I'm I've now got 15 minutes now to try and pick this up somehow." It's, nice. like, it's normally when they bring in. Oh, and now we're going to introduce our half time game that we're yeah, starting. That's and you're it. Like, oh no, not now, not now. So, so like, I have to do because the mem's sort of set up in a very unique way like the the PA box is opposite to where the tunnel is so i have to do a walk across the pitch uh leading into half time so i can feel it you know i can feel you know i'm i'm sort of walking behind the players and whatnot and you can just feel this like sort of the the just intense the vitriol and everything like that had to do the halftime draw and then interview um a mate of mine who was promoting a charity match uh, to, to, you know, sort of get that promoted. I think it was going to be happening the week after. And, you know, I just, I think I was pretty shell-shocked by it all, to be honest. And it's the first time I've sort of like, it's been difficult. It's the first time it's felt difficult to do a half-time. But luckily, like, to have a friend, like to be, to interview a friend makes it a little bit easier. So we were doing this interview. He was promoting the match. And as we were talking, the players came out ridiculously early it must have been about five minutes and that just like sort of stopped us dead in our tracks we just looked behind us and we were like surely not like it's not it's not over already but we just carried on we carried on with the interview <laughs> like and we finished that and we walked across the pitch 
to start the second half and we made a halftime substitution and typically on this day of all days the um the board stops working the oh, subs board stopped uh, working so so effectively the um the coaching staff gave the fourth official the cards for the substitution and i took the information off of that turned out it was wrong it was the wrong like sort of substitution wrong numbers were on the card or whatever and as i read it out it was like no this isn't it this isn't it i got given the information again i just lost my cool then like i think it's just everything that sort of happened over the last 15 20 minutes just like sort of you know took over and i just like i got the substitution wrong again and i was just like i've had it i've had enough like i just like walked back up to the stand and you know you can you can feel it then you can feel like ah oh, this this hostile yeah. this hostile environment now is just taking a turn for the worse now at my expense oh. i hope you know i hope people aren't talking about this like come five o'clock you know yeah. um so you know the next day i go online and then i just see a few things and like normally these things just like are water off the duck's back um, but I just felt like I had to call out like one or two bits of criticism. I don't like doing it because, you know, I just, I don't, I don't really like doing it. It's kind of like attention seeking and I, I, I don't really like the attention. So I just basically said, look, I'll hold my hands up if I make a mistake, but this was genuine. This, this was out of my hands. I got given the wrong information yeah. and I pretty much took it to heart and, you know, to be fair, the the response to it was pretty, you know, it was pretty cool. You know, there were some nice, nice things being said or whatever, which is great. I don't do it for that. I'd rather have nice things in a different way, you know? Yeah, of course, of course. I just, it, it, I mean, it's, 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 it's one thing when it's noticed, isn't it? If, if nothing else. And again, like you say, timing isn't great. If there's a bad result, people are looking for anything to, to jump on. Social media is unfortunately a very easy way to do that. But I can't, but, but. You know, just just making the mistakes like that, I can't believe people were on you. Yeah, I think that's just it's just the way it is. You know, I think like you say, when when it when it's a bad bad streak, you know, everyone's just you know, I the, suppose, the, yeah. the, you know, the the catering gets it, the announcer gets it. You know, <laughs> yeah. like it just yeah. every every sort of like thing gets it. But out of all the sort of like cool messages, like like Joey Barton sent us a message. Mm like privately, which, you know, we didn't have to do, you know, just effectively saying, you know, you do a great job, like, you know, don't worry about it. Don't, don't let the noise affect you. And he didn't have to do that. You know, he wow. didn't have to do that. And that was like, that was like the coolest thing. Um, that was the coolest thing about it. And it just like, it made me feel reassured because you just go through all these sort of, you know, when, when you're in a bit of a moment like that, you just overthink then you are like, are they going to bin me off? Like, is this, is this like ruined? Is this ruined? Like my sort of reputation a little bit, you know, you know, we're all proud announcers at the end of the day, aren't we? So that's, that's um, another thing to add to the, uh, to the list for me, by the way, of, of announcer goals, getting a DM from the manager. Yeah. Like, it was, it was cool. <laughs> like, like, you know, and again, it was, it was just, it was just really great. Cause yeah, I, I've, um, I, I like, I've liked Barton. I've liked Barton, you know, when he was a player, you know, it was, I was all for, you know, the appointment as well. And it's just great to see him, you know, doing well at the club now, but, you know, sort of looking back then for him to take the time out to send me that message. Amazing. And, def and, and defending what you're doing as well, defending what you're doing for the club. as yeah, well. That's brilliant. Yeah, 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 that's it, brilliant. It, it, it was great. And like, it was great, but yeah, that sort of, that was like the real sort of lowest point of, of the season really. And then, and the next thing you know, you're there for that final game where you've got the situation with, with this, this, this five goal swing. And if I remember, so the way I remember it, because uh, what Northampton were doing, it changed. You didn't have to win by five. You had to win by more, didn't you? Um, yeah. So, I mean, effectively, like they could have gone to Barrow. So they were away at Barrow and they could have lost and we could have won. And that would have made like, you know, the job easy. That would have been fine. And that was kind of like the scenario I was bargaining on because I knew like Barrow wasn't an easy place to go to. I think they thumped uh, Forest Green uh, over the Easter period. And we drew with them right at the start of the season up there. And even though they hadn't done well, it's a difficult place to go. It's all the way up north. And, 
you know, it's, it's, it's just a really difficult place to go. So um, beforehand, the, the atmosphere is electric and, and Richie will love this. Um, like we didn't have one problem with the PA all season. And um, about half an hour before I'm due to go, well, actually, <laughs> half an hour before the game, I go live. And it was about two minutes before that, um, we had an absolute like failure with the PA. So get this. Like, there was obviously an increased um, press uh, presence in the stadium because of the nature of the game. Obviously, all, all these press were here, you know, with the scenario at play. And um, there was a few extra journalists from, um, from one of the local stations. One of them had a roaming radio mic um, to sort of go around and interview the fans. And they set that to the same frequency is my microphone so it was (laughs) about 10 minutes before i was due to go on um i heard this like horrendous noise like from just behind me which was obviously feedback but at the time we've started to have live bands played over by the memorial gates outside the ground so i thought it was them i thought it might be them like sort of unloading uh you know sort of unloading their gear or whatever and uh, I think my old man either, um, either texted me or rung me. He contacted me either way. And he said, did you hear that? Is, is everything all right? I said, yeah. I said, I think that's just a band. Like, I think it's just a band. And no, I just just couldn't get anything out of the mic. Like, uh, oh, by the time I was just doing the whole Norman God. Collier. Like, <laughs> and out of all the days, like, to do it, I think I had to, like, present some awards. Um right at the start, the end of season awards for the supporters club. And I'm just there like, like just dying, like, you know, and, but we got to the bottom of the problem eventually. And it just set things back about five, 10 minutes. And I should have known then oh. what the rest of the afternoon yeah, was going to be, be like, like yeah. you know, just the script. You get it all, don't you? Didn't you have a, didn't you have a, um, um, that remembrance game yeah, where you had yeah, to get yeah. a, a local man to just go and get his bugle. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so that. Yeah. yeah, that was that was the COVID season last year. Yeah, yeah that was that, that PA system just, really knows when to turn up. Moments, yeah, you know? it picks its moments. It was the only oh. it was the only game of that particular season where we needed it, <laughs> and it, it failed on us. And like, obviously, last day of the season. I mean, I'm feeling a little bit tense anyway. anyway. Yeah, I just did done without it. So yeah, there was uh, the the air was literally turned blue around the tunnel area. Um, like, but, but what yeah. was what was what was bringing the teams out like that day? It must have uh, been, it must have been mental. It was, it it was insane. Like, and I've kind of experienced this kind of secondhand through, um, you know, through through doing the sort of the you know sort of the background stuff, the DJing and all that sort of stuff. Um, but this was like my first rodeo in terms of being out front with the microphone and it was just electric. Uh, 10,000 people um, singing along to everything and just the cheer like, you know, that came out of that like sort of 255 moment. Just incredible. And, you know, if we hadn't got the result that afternoon, that, that moment would have lived with us forever. But then obviously the, the sort of 90 minutes or so, you know, followed where... It was just, it, it still, it still feels like a big puzzle right now, and I'm trying to find pieces like <laughs> put it all together. But it it was um, it was great, and yeah. So we were looking at this situation with, you know, the five goal swing, Northampton at Barrow, we got Scunthorpe, Scunthorpe already relegated. So you kind of think, well, there's there's no perfect opponent really. No, you never know, do you? Yeah. I mean, like that happened. That happened six years ago when we got promoted, and we faced an already relegated Dagenham and Redbridge, and they took the lead. And it was like, well, you know, we know these things can go a bit wrong. So yeah, yeah we didn't take it for granted. But I mean, so as the afternoon pans out, you start, you you know, you start scoring, you start hearing about Northampton's, uh, you know, goal situation. You, you're going. You know, you, you, there's no other afternoon like it, I guess, whether you're paying so much attention to another game and your own at the same time and trying to... And what were you... Were you were you announcing what, every time the Northampton score changed as well as your own score? How were you doing it? No, we... I didn't have a directive 
either way. But I just thought we'd just leave it. I mean, like, I think everyone, everyone's got a phone on them these days, haven't they? This is not like, you know, what it was, you know, sort yeah. of 20 odd years ago or, or even longer than that, where you would have to rely on maybe like a message over the PA or the scoreboard yeah. to sort of tell you what's going on elsewhere. And you could just feel it. You could feel it in the ground because if I remember correctly, the two games kicked off and it was Northampton that struck first and they struck not just first, but twice early doors. They went 2-0 up. And then you just think like, well, there we go. Like, you know, playoffs it is. And then I think they got a third before we went 2-0 up. So, which meant obviously they had an extra goal. So it was 2-0. And what I thought was 3-0 in the Northampton game. It's halftime. I do the walk across the pitch. I meet with the guys to do the 50-50 draw. And one of them comes up and tells me it's 3-1 in, in the Barrow game now, the Barrow-Northampton game. And I was like, all right, cool. It's, it's still two goals. You know, they 3-1, 2-0, whatever. Did the halftime draw. I was pretty chilled out about it. We've, we've had a young lad like working on the scoreboard um, since Christmas time, Sammy, and uh, I, I brought him down to do the draw. And I was just like, you know, I was just having a laugh and a joke. He's pulling the tickets out, just telling the crowd, you know, don't blame me if you haven't got the winning tickets, blame Sammy and all that. Like, you know, and they were giving him a bit of jip. And it was just like, you know, I'm all right. I'm cool. And then we had the second half, which just just bonkers, Rich. Just, just, just bonkers. And what about final whistle then? How how did you, how did it all? What, what did you start thinking about songs to line up? Did you start thinking about stuff to say as final whistle came in? You know, because you, you've got that moment then, like to then capture the, how everyone in the ground is feeling. Yeah, well, obviously, like we had the second half, which which transpired, and we just kept scoring. You know, it was like three nil, four nil, and I had like this sort of thing in mind, like sort of inspired by what Nick did six years ago. Uh, my predecessor that I'd go down to the other side of the stadium around the 75th minute just to sort of be in the thick of it no matter what and again I brought Sammy with me down because I just thought these would be like he's only 16 I thought these would be like really cool experiences for him and as we were walking down the fifth went in and Anthony Evans free kick and it was at that moment where I was like this is happening I think this is happening now like I genuinely believed at that moment. I was like, we're, we're getting promoted. Like we are, it, this is happening. And we like ran all the way around the, the Thatcher's end towards where the tunnel is. And we were barely there a minute. And then the sixth goal went in. And it's just like, oh my God, like this is, this is actually happening now. And then a few more minutes passed. I was stood around the ground staff and a few of the players in the squad that didn't make um, the match day squad. And we scored a seventh goal then. It's the 86th minute. We scored a seventh goal. And it's still 3-1 at Barrow. And it's just pandemonium. It's absolutely pandemonium. I mean, like, from where I was stood, um, it didn't look like a lot of people, like, ran on the pitch. But when I watched it back the day after, it was a hell of a lot of people. So, like, the first thing on my mind was that I had to try and figure out who scored in amongst the madness. And it was Elliot Anderson. Just the most amazing player, the best player I've ever seen in the quarters. He was on loan from Newcastle for the second half of the season and a, and a massive part of um, the running. And then as, as soon as I announced that, it was like, right, get back in the stands now because this game's still in progress. You know, like this game is still on, like even though there's only two minutes left. And then 20 minutes of the most out-of-body experience I think I'll ever have. So the referee at the game, he takes the players off. He takes the players off and into the tunnel. Just, just the, you know, the madness of it all is, is too much. So then our, our CEO comes down, the owner comes down, just to like try and work out what, you know, sort of what's going on. And I'm there like frantically every two minutes, just trying to remind everyone, just like, you know, just stay where you are. Like this game's still on. So... These were extraordinary scenes, yep. right? Like, and, and ones I don't think I will ever, ever be a part of again. Our CEO, Tom, comes down, Tom Gorringe, and he tells me that 
while Alcardi, the owner, is going to address the fans. While this like stopping players going on. So I'm like, this is this is great. This is great for me because like no one's listening to me. Like, who, who am I? Like, <laughs> who am I? Like, Wild gets the mic, tells people to calm down. Great stuff. And then about felt like ten hours, let alone ten minutes. But then Tom comes back to me. He tells me that Joey Barton's going to take the mic and address the fans one more time just like say like look the ref is going to be threatening to abandon the game i mean like fair play like he would have had the biggest kahunas in bs7 like if he had done it because like we're on the we're on the edge of glory here and if he had if he had abandoned that match he ain't getting out like simple as that so joey then got the mic told everyone to calm down and then and then a matter of time passed and we just played out the final Final few minutes of the game, final whistle goes. I'm in tears. I end up hugging the club shop manager, like just wet patch on his shoulder, like, and just delirium, absolute delirium. It, it was just like, just the most amazing day. And uh, we had songs lined up, moving on up, the classic. Our sort of anthem throughout the season was McFadden in Whitehead. Uh, ain't no stopping us now. And um, it was. It was just amazing, and it just the party just went on all night. I don't know if you guys like saw the scenes. I think it went viral. The players down Gloucester Road, Aaron Collins on the lamppost. I think he's still finding his way to the bar now in his kit. Just, just amazing, and I just think like that could possibly be the, the greatest day I ever have on the mic. And I just had to like sort of savor every last second of it. It was, it was quite extraordinary. So we'll get back to our chat with the guys very shortly. But as always, it's time to look at some of the new releases from the guys at Shoot Music. Every Friday, they do a brand new stadium chart at sportplaylists.com. It's compiled from downloads by stadium DJs right across the UK, not just at football, but at loads of other sports as well. It's always a conversation that we have with our announcers about the tunes they play to the crowd, whether they use them early on in the afternoon, in that important build-up period just before kickoff, or the tunes they use when the teams walk out. So on each episode of We Welcome Your Teams, we look at three new releases that shoot music are sending out to DJs right across the country for free for them to choose and decide whether they might stick them on their match day playlist. We try and put the songs into a couple of categories, either ones they might stick on early doors when there aren't many people in the ground, ones that are good for the big build-up or ones that might even be playing for when the teams are walking out. So Let's look at three tunes selected for you this week. The first one we've got is a big one because it's from the legends that are Simple Minds. The morning of the night before I'm wide awake, I'm thinking of you. How no one in this universe could make me do the things that you do. Is no other reason why you'd ever stop believing in me. So it's called Vision Thing. It's from Simple Minds. It's taken from their forthcoming album, which is Direction of the Heart, which is coming out later on in 2022. Quite euphoric, that, isn't it? We quite like the sound of that one. In fact, we're almost putting that category in as a build-up banger because you can imagine something like that banging out across your stadium in the final half hour before kickoff. Also this week to listen to, we've selected something you might like the sound of. Especially if you're into any big TV shows on the summer this year. Searching for that feeling once again. The one I got when you came rolling in. Cause I work nine to five, but I'm out tonight. And I'll be looking for you till the end. I know I can be your one and only. Be the one to hold you through the night. 
feels like So it's the Vega Brothers, there it is, brackets, whoomp. Yeah, you might have realised that. <laughs> uh, so when Shoe Music uh, sends you out the tunes, if you sign up to their service, you get a little bit about the tune as well, and you also get to leave a couple of comments. And for that one, we just put a bit Love Islandy. But you can see where that one can catch on. I could see that quietly working early doors in the stadium when you're warming up the sound system before everybody gets in to really let it go. That's exactly where we put that. And... On to our last one. Bit of an odd pick, this one, and you'll never guess the title of it. You won't. And it felt like a movie Every time you put on Your shoes, no one brought the beauty To the beautiful game Like you uh, This is Pelicat, and this tune is called the ballad of Faustino Aspria. Remember him? The guy who played from 1996 to 1998 at Newcastle. Well, Pelicat are the band who decided to write a song about their cult hero, a tribute to Tino, a love letter in time to everything when seen when it all seemed more fun. But um, we can't actually hear a reference to Faustino Aspria in there anywhere or his backflip celebration, which we thought would have been in a classic line you could have got in there. So uh, that one for us goes in the early doors category as well. It's one of those ones for you've got the hardcore in the ground and they might just be paying actual attention to the real tunes you're playing and someone somewhere in the ground might just pick up is this about Fastino Aspria? Uh, those are your reviews for this week anyway. Remember, uh, if there are some tunes in there you're thinking about adding to your Match Day playlist, tweet us, tag us, let us know. And also let the guys at Shoot Music know as well. They're on Twitter, at Sport Playlists. Go and find out a little bit more about them. You can sign up for their free services to send get more new releases your way as you begin building your playlists for the season returning. Right then, let's get ourselves back to our chats with the boys for their extraordinary end-of-season experiences. Our next guest, someone who had quite an uh, extraordinary end to the season, uh, Graham White, the, vo- the voice of Goodison Park, the old lady. The ground, not the man. The grand old lady. The grand old lady. How are you, sir? Not too bad. The grand old lady is nearly as old as Alan Keegan. <laughs> hey, oh, how long did that take? Oh, that must be a record, Whitey. Seven uh, I, seconds. Uh, well, you know, it, it, it's been. I've been waiting to speak to you for a long time, you guys. So uh, I'm, I'm glad I've been able to join you. Yeah, what, what an, an end to a season. You know, just kind of hearing the stories of going up. My, my story is we stayed in the Premier League by, you know, well. By the skin of our teeth, and talking of nights, I think they're still Evertonians celebrating after the Crystal Palace game, a game which at half time we were 2 0 down in and somehow came back to win 3 <clears> 2. <throat> and excuse me, my I don't think my voice is recovered uh, because <laughs> for two years of COVID, I've not been in my normal spec where I would normally be kind of in the, the dugout area. And thankfully, I've been told next season I'm, we're going back to normality. So that's a a massive thumbs up. I've been in a box at the back of the main stand with a restricted view of the Gladys Street end. So I have to kind of look at a TV monitor to see. Now, if you've been to Goodison Park, and Alan's been many a time, um, we will. T- I want to talk about the last time Alan went because we, we, we beat Man United recently. So I'm quite pleased with that. I'll get that one in there as well. Alan, that took a bit longer than seven seconds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're not doing Fergie time now. Don't don't be watching. But we we came back and we won a game three two. How we did it? Um, wow, I, I can't explain. At half time, I honestly was thinking, and I'll put my hand on my heart. I was thinking of we were in the championship next season. I thought we're going to be playing the likes of West Brom, Birmingham, and I, I've got a mate of mine who's a big Birmingham City fan. And all I'm going to say is my text messages back to him after we stayed up were a lot better than the text messages he sent me after 45 minutes. Uh, and you can read into that what you like. Yeah. I gave not one barrel, but both barrels back. But we stayed up in the Premier League, a 3-2 victory. Don't know where it came from. Well, I do. Delhi Alley came on. Or, sorry, I can't say Delhi Alley because officially my stadium announcement is number 36, Delhi. You have to say Delhi. Oh. Delhi. It's not Delhi Alley anymore. It's Delhi. Okay. Uh, which did get a few looks from Evertonians when I first said it and a few text messages off friends when he first came to the club saying, 
have you forgotten his second name? And you're like, no, that's what I've <laughs> that's been what told. He wants. That's what he wants. You know, well, so- that, that's what he wants. And to be fair, the, the lad had been with us for a few months and people were asking questions. He came on and he ran the show in the second half of that game against Crystal Palace. And if it wasn't for him, I don't think we would have been winning the game 3-2 um, and staying in the Premier League. I mean, the fans had a lot to do with it. And that night, um, I've experienced some great nights in football. I mean, Alan's seen Champions League winning sides, FA Cup winning sides, Premier League winning sides. I've kind of been fortunate to see an FA Cup victory too many years ago, 1995. But I've never experienced a night like a Thursday night at Goodison Park under the floodlights. I hope I don't experience a night like that in the sense of avoiding relegation. I want to see sides going and, you know, Everton winning trophies and being a part of that celebration. But that night will live with me till the day I leave this earth because that was unbelievable. Now, I don't drink. I'm someone who decided in 2018, I'm not going to have a pint anymore. Trust me, at 11 o'clock on a Thursday night walking out of Goodison Park, I was considering I'm going to have a few beers. Uh, And watching the Evertonians kind of celebrate, you know, People say you shouldn't celebrate avoiding relegation, but we all know what it means to football, to clubs, teams, supporters, players, when you don't, when you beat the drop. And we, we beat the drop. Um, and what a night that was. What a night. Uh, I mean, to be fair, we set that night up because we beat Man United a couple of weeks early. If we hadn't done that. <laughs> I, I've experienced, you know, we've all experienced things in football, but that Thursday night at Goodison Park, when Calvert-Lewin scored the diving header in front of the Gladys Street end, um, I had to pinch myself. And as I said before, I watch from this box. So when you're in the dugout, uh, as we all know, when you're in the dugout, you have to act professional. In a professional manner, you have to sit there. So your facial reactions, can't, well, you can show delight, of course, when your team score, but you can't show anything else. I must have kicked, headed, tackled, uh, got upset with every decision, in my little enclosure where I am. And when that final whistle went and we were able to kind of celebrate because the relief was there, we stayed in the Premier League. Yeah, boys, I've never seen it and never experienced anything. And I did enjoy myself. And funny enough, I, I didn't go into work on the Friday. I took the day off. That's fair enough. I think that's fair enough. Yeah. I think that's allowed. My, my boss thought I was drunk, but I wasn't. So I was just as tired <laughs> as a kite. It's just, <laughs> just a great feeling. At any point, does you know? Because I've, I've, you know, unfortunately, I wasn't at West Brom for the uh, the Great Escape, which would have been, I think, to date, you know, probably the most momentous day to be a stadium announcer there. At any points, did you feel any any of the uh, any of the rule books going out the window? When Calvert Lewin's third goal went in, um, y- y- we all know you you know we're supposed to act in a professional manager manner, uh, and my voice, I felt kind of the you know and. Trust Dominic to have a double barrel name, so it's a bit more to <laughs> put on the old voice. Yeah. The voice was already a little bit stretched with all the screaming and shouting that I've been doing during the game. And I must admit, I did think to myself, am I going to get through this? And I did. And at that point, I just wanted to go, yes, on the microphone. But I thought, no, I'll just do goal score for Everton, number nine, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Thanks very much. And when the mic went off, I can, I'm fist pumping, oh, yeah. I'm jumping up there. And there's a, 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 one of the lads who works alongside me, we're hugging, we're dancing. You know, honestly, we thought it was a Saturday night in town. We, you know, we were we were well up for it. it. It was it was a brilliant experience. But yeah, that that's where the rule book did want to go out, Rich, where I just yeah. wanted to be a fan and say, get in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But no, I, I acted in a professional stadium announcer manner and just announced the goal to thirty nine thousand supporters. Very impressive. Very impressive. Um, I do. I do. I mean, for me, it's your. It's not so much your Dominic Calvert Lewin. It's more your Richarlison that always sticks out to me whenever he was bagging towards the end of the season. And yeah. um, you did send me that tweet. You sent us that tweet from when you were at a, a fans event, and and they requested you. Was they request Dominic Calvert Lewin or Richarlison? They requested you to do it at the event. To be fair, I. I'd, I'd host and there's a there's a podcast uh, called the bullens view and a, a great evertonian podcast it's only been going 12 months and i've been fortunate that we've done about five gigs now where we've got x7 players on the beer keller in liverpool a great venue so the beer was flowing this night in question we'd had neville southall you know 751 games for everton uh and joe parkinson who funnily enough is a was a man united fan as a kid 
mm. won the FA Cup with Everton. So we finished the night and I walk off stage and one of the guys from the park, well, I'm about to walk off stage. I've kind of thanked everyone. We've done the raffle, as you know, with events. And you thanks very much. Have a safe journey home. Right. And all I'm thinking of is I've got a gig in the Lake District at half seven the following morning and I've got to be up and out of my house by half five to get to this next gig where I'm kind of comparing a big running event. So I'm thinking, right, 10 minutes walk to my car, got me ticket for the car park. And then the lad from the podcast says, uh, can we just thank Graham? And I kind of went, oh, right, okay. So, And then next thing we said, can you do us a favour? Can you announce Dominic Calvert-Lewin's goal like you did at Goodison on that Thursday night? So I did. And the whole place went absolutely bananas. And it took me about 25 minutes to get out of the place because every man and his dog wanted to give me a hug, kiss, and buy me a drink. And thankfully, I'm trying to say, I've got to go, boys. I'm working in the morning. And I, seriously, if I, if, if I was out on the ale that night, I don't think I would have bought a drink after that because there's about 350 people in the room. And trying to get 50 yards to the door, and I'm thinking to myself, Neville Southall had two security guys and escorted him out. Uh, Joe Parkinson had a couple of lads. The daft lad who announces the teams, I'm struggling to get through. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that many people, and I've never, to be fair, I have done a couple of selfies before when you're outside the ground and someone knows you and sees you and they've seen you on the pitch and can we have a selfie? Every man there that night was, can we have a selfie? Can we have a selfie? That sounds like the dream. It does. Well, to be fair, yeah. it, was, it was a great night. I mean, I'm just, I'm just kind of upset that I didn't charge the fee Neville South or Joe Parkinson charged. Well, this, this, uh, this is the thing, mate. Is I'll it... have to ask the next time for the amount of selfies I took or people took with me. Can I can I have commission? But no, it, that that night was great, and that's what it means to football fans. That was a release. That you know we stayed in the Premier League. It was a good night because you heard from a couple of good ex pros who spoke about where it went wrong, where it needs to improve, uh, and you know, and Evertonians that were in that room were were relieved, and just to do something because you know, as we all know, we are part of people's match day experience and that little bit of announcing that goal which will mean a lot to a lot of people and you know we're in the Premier League come the start of the season on the 6th of August uh, it was an honour to do and it was an honour to be asked to do it and, and what about at the same point back across the season was there a game where you knew you were going to struggle to get the crowd up for anything because you know it just it's just that test you know Lance has talked about it earlier on in his season where there were games full of despair and you know as our job as announcers is to you know in some respects pick the crowd up get back up again here come here come for the second half was there a game you remember sticking out as being the one that was the real test because obviously it was it what you know there were it was points there was loads of games weren't there where it was obvious that Everton were in a, in a fight for their for their lives yeah I mean there's a, there's a game that stands out we played Watford and we were beaten 5-2 at home by Watford. Now, Watford couldn't win a raffle, but they came to Goodison Park and they, they looked like Liverpool, Chelsea, Manchester City, this flowing football. Uh, and we looked like, you know, the, the four of us here going out and playing football together. We, we, were, we were awful. And, you know, kind of, I remember making an announcement at the end of the game over something, some offer. You know, we, the clubs always have something oh, that you're promoting. No. And I'm thinking to myself, this is the point where I'm going to get booed. And, you know, you're kind of looking and thinking, can I get away with actually not saying this? And you're thinking, someone will pull me if I don't say it. So, you know, as the crowd are going out, you know, ladies and gentlemen, I can't remember what the announcement was, but I said it and I did it. Yeah. Uh, that, that, was, that was a weird feeling. But, you know, it's, there's been some games at Goodison that, you know, we didn't play well the first part of the season. The home form when Frank Lampard came to the club, uh, was different because there was a different different atmosphere. Uh, there was a different feeling around. Now, we had a couple of games which we lost uh, under Frank at Goodison. I think there was a game against Wolves where we just didn't turn up. We didn't play well. Um, but before Christmas uh, with our previous manager, um, there was just a feeling in the ground. Now, you can you can look at many reasons why, and I, I won't go into to them, but most Evertonians will understand and most football fans will understand the reasons why with the previous manager. But there were games there where at half-time you're doing your stuff and you're doing your thing. Were it, it was difficult because we weren't playing well. We were we were trailing in games and you're just thinking this is this is going to be tough. Um, but you know you do what you do, don't you? And you're just hoping that the manager's got the players in at half-time and giving them the the pep talk and they come out fighting and it's much better. 
there were games where that unfortunately didn't happen, but yeah, we got there in the end. So I'm not, I'm not too worried what went on in Canada. To be fair, you know, yeah, no, I know what you mean. We September, September, as long as we we stayed in the Premier League and we we you know we we build and go on from there. But yeah, there, there were several games where you were thinking this is a tough gig. We, this we, is a real tough. We had it a few weeks in a row at West Brom where we were just getting to that period where every game was that, OK, OK, so we didn't win the last one, but as long as we win this one, we're still in with the chance of the playoffs. And OK, we didn't, we drew the last one, but as long as we win this one, we're still in the chance of the playoffs. And there are a couple of games that came like that and went where they were drab, nil-nil draws. And I remember they were the ones that get, they were always the ones that got chosen for telly. When we got put on telly on a Friday night or a Monday night, it was always nil-nil. And I remember at least two or three of them after this nil-nil and after the whole ground has gone, oh, we're definitely not getting in the playoffs now. I had to come on and tell everyone the M6 was shut and they couldn't get home. (laughs) (laughs) You know, this is, you know, it's not going to go down well. It's mad. I mean, there's a game that always stands out. It's the Merseyside derby. You know, Alan will know from the, the Manchester derbies. What you don't want to do is be announcing the, the opposition goal scorers. Um, and I had to do that, unfortunately, which is not very nice because people pick it up in your voice. I don't know what you guys are like when an opposition team score. You know, you, you try to sound impartial, but you can tell in your voice you're absolutely gutted that your mm. team have just conceded. Mm. So that one, for me, is always, you know, well, it was a game last season where we were beaten. And again, because uh, I live in an area where there are plenty of reds and plenty of blues around, every red decides to find grey and white on their mobile phone and either watch me or text me. Now, I'm, I'm like any football fan, I'll give it and I'll I'll certainly take it. But unfortunately, for six months of the year, I was taking a bit more stick than I, I anticipated. Um, well, so, yeah. I mean, look, you know, in, in some respects, if you take it and, and respond a little bit, you'll get what Lance had. You'll have a, a, a DM from the manager offering you his vote of confidence his full support. Happy days, isn't it? It's all right, isn't it? Um, <laughs> Have you got that? Obviously, you've got that saved somewhere, Lance. You've got it, you know, stored. It's banked. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. screenshot yeah, and everything. I, the first thing I did was send it to my dad because I just couldn't <laughs> believe like what I was seeing. I was like, "Look at what, look what I've got!" Like, but yeah. Definitely one for the bucket list, guys. Definitely one for the bucket list. D- DMs from the manager. Just just on what uh, Graham was saying there about you know that whole thing about having to announce opposition goal scorers. Alan, you've had to do that quite a lot this season, haven't you? <laughs> well, hey, I'll tell you what, I'm here for the entertainment, lads. You know, you just keep backing up those things, you know. My turn will come, don't worry, boys. My turn will come. Uh, but in answer to that, Rich, yes, it's been a, it's been a bad season at the Theatre of Dreams, as we like to call it, because it's been uh, a small nightmare this season. Uh, just when you thought you're turning the corner... You know, I go to Goodison, I'm thinking, uh, I'm away fans, you know, it's going to be an easy three points, you know. We we do everything but score. They have one shot that's deflected that goes in the net. And the announcer, my good friend Graham White, nearly burst the PA system yeah. with how loud he announced it, you know. And I thought, hang on a minute, I've not heard him that loud all season, you know. So, you know, we've had a season where City came, absolutely battered us at Old Trafford. Uh, horrible day for me. Liverpool came and uh, one of the worst days of my life last season announcing their goals. And I think as it went along, Lance, I'm not as, how much you watch the rest of the lads or now that you know us, but obviously as I'm announcing each goal, Graham alluded to it there. The tone was just getting lower yeah. and lower and lower. But I did have a complaint about how low I announced the away team. Um I was actually informed that I was disrespectful to the away team and uh, very unprofessional. So so I'm technically guessing this was coming from an away fan saying they didn't like the fact that you didn't announce the away goal scorer, what, loud enough, proud enough, big enough? Yeah, I mean, obviously when I do the away team, I do them in a lower tone. And, I, and I'm thinking the rest of the lads do that. And then we come to United and then I lift the volume up. Um now, this, I think, was when um, the away team had scored a goal and I'd sort of give it, you know, and it didn't get well received. And then the old letter came into the club and the club have got to respond to it. I get an email then with, with the, the emails copied in that's complaining about me. I'm unprofessional. Who do I think I am? Show some respect. I shouldn't be in the job. <laughs> oh. 
Was it was it signed by a G White by any chance? <laughs> no, I'll, I'll tell you what, it might as well have been, honestly, mate. It might as well, because it just wasn't good. It was wow. either that or Alex, you know. But what um, are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to do? I don't get what, I don't get, we, that. that's, you know, we, we're always going to be slightly partisan in those elements, aren't we? Yeah. I try, I try to say to the club, listen, if you speak to any announcer from any other stadium in the country, yeah. they all do it. Right. I said, honestly, if you went around the 92 clubs, however many clubs there are, I don't think there'd be one that goes, I mean, you know, we, we could go throw that out there away today and not vote over the summer. But I, anyway, I, I just I, thought I, that went without saying. Yeah. Like, you know, just announce, you announce the away team first and it's always like sort of, not less enthusiastic. Just deadpan. Just it's just deadpan, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. When you go to the home team, boom, absolutely go yeah. for hell for leather. Sorry, Alan. Yeah. But it was the goal as well, I think, that upset this person because they'd scored a goal or they'd scored a couple of... I'm honest, I can't remember what team it was now. But when I announced the goal, I did. I did. I thought, oh, I'll do it like Graham White does, you know, when he's at uh, Goodison and announce it dead low. So I announced it very low when the away goal was scored and I think that's what triggered it. You want to be careful, Dave. Eh? You've know, got to stand our ground here, I think. I don't know what you think, Graham, but I think if, if it ends up you know, where we're bowing to, to clubs saying, no, come on, you need to give it mutual respect for both home and away teams as the home announcer. You see, what, what I'd say is poor old Man United supporters are not used to conceding goals at the Theatre of Dreams. I believe they're going, to re- they're going to change the name from the Theatre of Dreams, uh, you know, the House of Horrors or whatever else you can, you can come uh... up with. You know, they're all, they're all there. But it's it's a weird one, isn't it? Because at the end of the day, we are announcing for the home team. So if an opposition uh, team come to your stadium, your ground and score a goal, um, you know, Goodison Park has 39,000 supporters in. There's probably about 4,000 away fans. So I've got 35,000 Evertonians. I'm not going to go, hey, look at that. The away team have scored. Number 10, you know, Ronaldo or whatever. You're going to just kind of, yeah, okay, they've scored. You've got to make the announcement. You do it. I don't know why anyone would complain. I'd be more frustrated with my team for conceding the goal at home against whoever they're playing. Um, I mean, as I said before, I had to do it five times to Watford for Watford. Uh, In in many years, being the stadium announcer for Everton or the number two back in the past, I've probably done, in fact, my first game for Everton was against Watford. And I was like trying to work out. I've probably done several games with Watford at Goodison Park, and I don't think they've scored five game five goals in those games in like ten years. And then I had to announce. And the the, the annoying thing was, and I could imagine if an Evertonian would have written in because we conceded like three goals in three minutes, something daft like that. So I'd not even put my sheet down to kind of say who the last goal scorer was, and I'm picking it up again and saying goal scorer for Watford and. So that, in my voice, is not going to be all jolly boys out in. It's it's down in the dumps like mm. every other home supporter would be. So I, I find it strange that someone's taken the time to write in and complain about Aaron. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've not had like the sort of the complaints as such, but I did notice like a bit of feedback from an away supporter after the Barrow game. Ironically, Barrow, again, they seem to be cropping up all the time this season. Um, but we played them a few months back in one of their fans like didn't take too kindly to uh, how I sounded. Uh, and he just tweeted out a uh, half time uh, with some Russell Howard sounding clown bleating out a load of nonsense. Uh, shameless tool isn't anywhere near as funny. Come on Barrow. And I was like, I don't sound anything like Russell Howard. Like I was like offended by that. I might have his hairdo these days. But, like, <laughs> like, yeah, what's that? Have you got his money? I haven't got his money either. Like that's even worse. <laughs> like, but I, again, I just couldn't help myself and just answer back. And I just said, like, they played this on a Tuesday night. We beat them 1-0. Um, and I just said, you know, hope you enjoyed that empty-handed journey home. Like, you know. Well, the best one. Uh, yeah, best it would be nice to come up at, like, 3 a.m. back to Barrow. Like, I could have been worse. But, you know, yeah. you've got to be, got to well, be kind. Well, the best one is, is a, and I, I, do you know what? I don't know if he still does the team announcements at Tramia. There used to be a lad called uh, Richie. Oh, oh, Richie Tierney. Richie Tierney. Yeah. Now, Richie, I don't know if he still does tram here. Um, the last time I was there, Everton were actually playing a game at Prenton Park, a pre-season game where, when Roberto Martinez and I, I had to go and announce the teams there, which was a first being the Everton first team announcer and going to 
Tramier's ground to announce the team, but many years ago, and um, if you remember when QPR were in the Premier League and Tramier were in the Championship, so I think John Aldridge was manager. So you, you're talking a good few years ago, but I always remember, and there was a public outcry because I live on the Wirral. Tramier Rovers is about ten minutes, fifteen minutes away in the car from where I live, uh, and there was public outcry because Tramier had sacked their stadium announcer because. QPR had played them in the FA Cup and QPR had beaten Tramier 2-0. And all Richie had said when they were walking off the pitch, and because at the time QPR were in the relegation zone and looking like they were getting relegated from the Premier League to the Championship, uh, all Richie said was, quote, unquote, we'll see you next season here at Prenton Park. And the Queen's Park Rangers Board of Directors officially complained and lo and behold, he got the sack. So that's the next extreme Someone from the opposition complained about a stadium announcer, but public power, he got his job back the following season. Oh, good. <laughs> good. So, yeah, and I, th- I think I'd like to, well, I'd guess, Alan, I think if anything extreme like that happened, you might be okay with the, the rest of the United fans and the family behind you. You'd hope. I'd like to think so, yeah. Like 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 Graham says there, and Lance, you know, I think, uh, I think that sign, if it, if it came into a sort of massive sort of, open arena I think I would I'd, I'd get the vote I think but listen boys you never know do you things stranger things have happened you know well look we're, um, and, and we're in that wonderful part of the season at the minute aren't we now we're in that wonderful midsummer break or you know we've all got all sorts of things going on in the background behind our clubs and we've also got all sorts of things going on in in the general life of the general public so not to get too wide and uh, you know scathing about it all, but we're we're all just you know I don't know if I am, but I'm I'm checking most Mondays that whoever is the new head of marketing at West Brom just knows I'd still like to do it next season and just make sure that everything will be all right for what will be July thirtieth when we're going back. Rich, um, not not having a go at you or anything, but <laughs> when, um, apologies here. Uh, when are the EFL uh, fixtures yeah. out? I know when the Premier League ones are. Fifteenth, fifteenth of June. That is fifteenth. Oh, oh. Right, very good, yeah, mate. Just yeah, checking yeah. that, you know. No, no, sorry, so, no, you're no, sorry, I don't know. It's the Premier League fifteenth of June, and then with we have to 16th. wait a week. No, we have to wait a week. The super computer, yeah. the supercomputer has a does all its stuff the week afterwards. Twenty um, third, isn't it? Yeah, there you go, twenty third. Yeah, so we have to we have to wait yeah. a week for our for ours, and then we start a week earlier on the thirtieth of July. Right, go figure. Right, okay, yeah. yeah. So the the supercomputer has got to do its yeah. thing, making sure that that West Brom Wolves. Birmingham Villa aren't all at home at the same time and you know then then what they'll do once they do that is they'll probably close the M6 every Saturday anyway for me to tell everybody again <laughs> yeah. Do you guys get fixtures in November when the World Cup's on when me and Alan are going to go off to Tenerife and sun ourselves for uh, yeah, we, 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 yeah. I think we I'm, I think we finished the 11th of November 10th or 11th of November and then we're back 12th of December when the group stages start don't know about you Lance yeah, well we I think yeah, it's um, I think it's normal service for us. Um, I I believe because we don't have a lot of internationals in the sort of lower two two leagues. So as far as I'm aware, there's no break as such. I think we carry on. I don't know about what you've heard, Graham. I think we we're the same. The 12th of November, but then the Premier League's back on Boxing Day. That's what I'm led to believe. It'd be a nice break, won't it, Al? I mean, where you going? Anywhere nice? <laughs> yeah, Thailand, mate. Fair enough. <laughs> I think I'll get away. We'll we'll be in touch, boys. You know, obviously via Twitter and WhatsApp, just to see how you're getting on. But me and Al, you know, we'll be kind of you know having a couple of drinks, sitting by a warm beach, just relaxing, whilst you're sat there freezing cold with your gloves, scarf, snood, and everything on. Oh, and the rest. Sure you don't want to come to uh, Bristol experience uh, at the Mem. Like, it's better, surely. Is that a free yeah. ticket offer? Well, perhaps we we'll have to talk. Oh. Yeah, yeah, there is. Agent. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who is now charging for every time you want him to say Dominic Calvert Lewin? Yeah, I've got a, an international tennis tournament to host this weekend, so I've now got to practice me pronunciation on a couple of dodgy Ooh. foreign tennis players. Yeah, well, um, let us know you get. Let us know you get on, and we'll bring it up in the new the yeah. new series in the new season. Send us, send yeah. us, send us some phonetics for those tennis players, if you could, please. The great thing is, I got the I got the kind of the call a few weeks ago to do it, and I kind of said, "What's my brief?" And they said, "Look at the website because the draw for the, the the kind of the following day is done the night before." And I said, "Yeah, no problem." And you're going to be interviewing uh, a couple of the players on the the centre court, and then the guy said, "He said the only problem is." They don't speak very good English. 
I said, no, I said, I'm not interviewing Alan Keegan, am I? <laughs> hey. hey. Thank you, boys. Thanks, boys. Take care. See you soon. So thank you to Graham, thank you to Lance, and thank you to Alan for being on this episode of We Welcome Your Teams. Uh, We've got some more catch-ups lined up with some of the other guys who had extraordinary ends to their season whilst the summer is on before we get stuck back into a new season with brand new announcers and tales from their time on the mic at some huge clubs and some not-so-huge ones right up and down the UK. Thank you very much for being with us. Remember, we are on Twitter at AnnouncersPod, or you can find us on Instagram, We Welcome Your Teams Pod. And until then, enjoy the rest whilst the mic is down and the clipboard collects a bit of dust before the new season starts soon.